You know, I love duds from the tens and the twenties. Like, oh, if you yeah. look at clothing, men's clothing from that era, uh-huh. it's really good. Ben, like I will British give you fifty dollars if you walk into Honest Coffee with the big baggy <laughs> pants, pantaloons, the pantaloons <laughs> that they wore. And well, well, like, during, you, you know, <laughs> you have the fedora, you have the Panama hat, you know, the South African adventurer uh, garb. I want Actually, to see you dress like of... that so bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got the golden beard and the. But I want you to. Look. I want you to walk have around the one it. side up. The, yeah. like, oh. those, the uh, Australian yeah. version. I want you yeah. to like be dead serious when you're wearing. It. <laughs> Just I've be like, always I... thought, you know, and if people have seen me in the flesh, you'll know. I've always thought that if I somehow ended back in like 1950, I could have totally arrived at Hollywood and become one of those. German Nazi extras with the turtlenecks. <laughs> you know how they just hired all these blonde-haired, blue-eyed people uh, with aquiline noses. Is that a who good thing German or a bad thing? <laughs> well, we're of Germanic origin, you know. So, true, that's true. But we left far before that. We'll live there. <laughs> Long before that. The moral of the story: the podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. So today we're reviewing 1917, which has been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. One we're, of... How many nominees are there this year? It was quite a few. There's quite a lot. Yeah, Maybe eight. Like, okay. Do they do that? They don't just pick five? No, there were a lot this year. Didn't there used to be five? I feel like there used to be less. I don't know how many there I used to be. they doubled but, it. Or oh, almost ten. doubled it. Really? Or, th- or almost, it's close. Yeah, close to it. Because they wanted to start, because the problem was when they had the five, they They didn't have popular. Five to eight. (laughs) 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 But they wanted to start adding more popular movies, like the blockbusters that aren't going to win, you know? But they want them in the. I can just imagine that meeting. It's like, we've got to, like, spice it up a little bit. Like, how about we add, how about we start nominating, like, popular movies? There's nine. Nine, oh, okay. nine of them. Nine. Yeah. So they doubled it. Yeah. yeah. From five to nine. <laughs> 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 no, but like Martin Scorsese's yeah. in the Academy meeting. And it's like, we've got to add more popular films. Like, what about Iron Man 3? It's like, what? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, no, no, no. If you're going to add more, you can't change the five. You just got to add more food, movies. Exactly. <laughs> They're like, uh, but we don't have any good ones. And Scorsese's like, ah, fine. I'll go make one. What are you going to make it about? Ah, you know what I do. It's crime. It'll be it'll be good. <laughs> Gangsters. Yeah. Well, this oh, movie goodness. is interesting because it has a conceit at the center of it, which is one, quote unquote, unbroken, emphasis on the quote unquote, unbroken camera shot. They never actually cut, to supposedly. They never cut. Air quoting well, here. right. And you could give them credit for saying they never cut angles. That's like, true. That is one interesting i mean there are edits yeah if you're an editor like luke sitting here you are tempted as luke was talking about leaving i was like i had to stop counting where i thought they made cuts because (laughs) i kind of set myself i okay so i really enjoyed this movie but i probably did myself a disservice by reading and seeing about all the behind the scenes stuff Mm. because and i i do need to go back because i don't i don't think they necessarily advertised it in a deceitful or misleading way it's all one shot yeah i don't think they quite made it but there was there was a lot of hype around it being a one take movie and obviously i'm an editor so i know that that's not really possible Mm -hmm. i mean so Mm -hmm. there has to be hidden cuts somewhere and so i literally went into the movie (laughs) looking for them (laughs) yeah it's like a where's waldo exactly which i probably should not have done because it did take me out of the story a little bit 
you don't feel the cuts. I could, right? It, well, <laughs> well, okay, all right, Luke can, but but it, not it is, all of them. I will seamless. say there were a lot. It would be seamless there were some that for, were I think very very obvious. Well, yeah. well, there yeah, was both. there was some, yeah. but bo- on both ends. Even and the funny thing, I thought it was like actually the worst one was the very first one. The very very first one, right? And I, I, that's funny to me because I think they would have. Oh, and I'm sure there were ones that I didn't even notice because they were so perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there were some that were like, okay, you just Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But uh, The the wagon that passes in front of the camera very conveniently. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, even in that one, his perspective like changed. Like he got bigger because he Mm -hmm. was a little bit- He was in a different spot. Yeah. Yeah. But But, uh, but ultimately, production-wise, that movie was genius. It's phenomenal because you have to plan out all of the... All the choreography is not camera angles. It's people moving. Right. And stuff happening on Mm -hmm. camera. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to plan it all in exact location and everything else so your shots are good ahead of time. It was a huge amount of work. I want to ask a question, uh, production-wise. Did you all think... That the opening shot, right? Because the opening shot, they're at the tree, they're awoken, the two leads, the two men. And just for, for those of you who don't know what the plot of this movie is, it's a World War One set film where two soldiers are given a job to go and deliver a direct order to a regiment that's like half a day's journey away from where they're at. And the telegraph lines have been cut and they have to take this direct order to stand down because this reckless commander played by benedict cumberbatch benedict cumberbatch is always playing reckless people (laughs) by the way but he's going to order his men to their deaths unknowingly and so their job is to take this direct order to him that tells him to stand the germans have made a feint and are have fallen back fallen back to they're on the run but they're actually going to ambush right and the the, the guy's brother is there it's a trap (laughs) (laughs) exactly and the guy's brother is there so it's personal to him you know so Anyway, Colin Firth in one of his many nice cameo roles, you know, <laughs> playing the ultimate British. Gentleman. I've never seen him that old. Made yeah, up that had, old. I don't think I've ever seen him. Yeah, I don't. They, I don't think I've seen him play a character that him. old. Yeah. Yeah. But he uh, he gives him the order, and then and then it's just one take that follows them all the way to this other place two hours later. Mm-hmm. So it, it all feels like one take. You could say it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much a journey. But I will say, even with the hidden edits or whatever, the uh, sense of suspense that the single oh, take creates that was so is tense. really, it really is. a lot. That movie. Yeah. And yeah. actually not a lot happens in the movie. Like, it doesn't just throw stuff at you all the time. Well, every three to every, four minutes. Yeah, there would new, be something. You're that in a new spot. Up. But you know, but I kept thinking that something was going to happen, you know, bad or dangerous, and well, those things happen. Yeah, well, they happen. But like for instance, at the front of the movie, yeah. when they first step into no man's land, uh-huh. that was suspenseful because you yeah. think they're going to get shot, they're get blown right. up. Maybe the Germans haven't pulled back, and then they get to the German lines, and the Germans have pulled back. Nobody's there. But right. for about three till minutes, the, you till think the trip wire. Yeah, until the tripwire. But yeah, I literally minutes. jumped out of my seat. That was, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that sound yeah, effect was so loud no. in the theater. It was it was crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that, and honestly though, so we're starting off this episode talking about 1917, and this is the prime example of the uh, the danger of making a movie that is marketed about how you made it and how it's all one shot or looks like it. Right. Because all we're doing is talking about the production. Exactly. Which is supposed to be invisible. Like yeah. in a great movie, right? You mm-hmm. you appreciate it, but the story is what grabs you. Right. And I have to say, this movie felt a little little bit to me like a video game, 
Mm. With amazing live production value, mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredibly produced. Right, all those things. Yeah, yeah. and and the great. story wasn't weak. The story per se. was it nice. Was just, it was a yeah, nice, it was enjoyable a good story. A nice, mm-hmm. a nice war story. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was. It was heart tugging, you yeah. know, in its yeah. own way, and had some endearing elements. But it was a the movie is an idea created to serve a technique. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. I, I could. I could feel that. Now, I will say. Uh, to, to counter what you're saying a little bit, the main guy, I don't know what his name is, but the main guy who, you don't know that he's the main guy at the front. It appears to be the brother who is trying to find his brother oh, on the other on. side of That the, guy was totally like the typecast overweight friend that's definitely going to die. Well, but they kind overweight, of position funny guy. him as being, you know, George more, McKay of, the, was his more name. of the hero. George was McKay the is the main lead, guy. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dean we, we Charles won't spoil Chapman what happens, was, but something. Hmm. Well, I guess Alex just did spoil what happens. Um, so, so things happen. Um, but that. As they do in a war movie. <laughs> well, if you watch the clip where he's running at the field at the end of the movie and you see he's alone, you yeah. kind of know at the beginning, like, that other guy must not make it all yeah, the way to the yeah. end. We, we are he, going he to reiterate the rule that if you have not seen the movie, you should not be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Watch definitely. the movie first. Well, unless you just don't but, but care. George, unless you don't care. But George, to call him by his first name. Like I know him, George. He did a great job. He Schofield, did. He that was, was his name. really. Yeah. Yeah. He was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that um, he looked like people from that period. They mm-hmm. really yeah. cast the the people well. They did. There's this World War One look, and, I, and you know, it's that's one of the mysteries actually of history. You go back in time. You look at the 20s, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and just the people that you see in front of cameras, and maybe it's self selection, you know, but. People in front of cameras, there's this look that they have. Yeah. People, women in the 20s look like they're women in he the 20s. He doesn't really look like that, though, in real life. Mm, I don't, I, maybe not, but I, I don't know. When I saw him, I thought, he just looks like those pictures that yeah. you see. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought World the same War I thing. Men, and you don't always see people that look like that. Yeah, you they know? just look a little funny. I yeah, know. and I don't well, know. Well, it's young a, it's girls that are made up older. I mean, that's, a, I think a lot of that goes just to style. Yeah. And really, it's see, invisible. I, I feel like it's almost. I feel like it's almost something kind of mysterious, like in right. the in the evo- evolution of body types right. and types of beauty and things like that. Because, for instance, how many Kira Knightleys do you see in 1930? You know, it, well, that's that, also though you don't know how many of her that existed. She has that, but you also are talking about who did people choose to put on camera. And yeah. that is really based right. on their own taste of what beauty is considered to be at the time. True. That's you know, true. It's like, who did people paint in medieval Italy? Mm-hmm. Well, they're much more rotund than people that get in cameras now. Which yeah. begs the question, you know? what were people seeing? You know, because right. mm-hmm. you're right. Doris Day, if there is a Doris Day out there, someone who, you know, is beautiful the way she was, that type of beauty is not like, quote, in fashion in right. quite the same way. Well, but even Doris Day wouldn't fix herself in that way today to be seen as beautiful. True. So it's you're it's sort of a self-proving mm. maybe self-fulfilling I prophecy. Well, I I want to bring up but, I, but this I'll is defer. not about be- this beauty is not about theory. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> George um, looks like a World War 1 yeah. uh, soldier. Well, I I want to bring up and I think we've got a different couple different points we want to mm-hmm. check off in this episode and, and mm-hmm. share thoughts on, but I kind of a broad one to start us to start us off with is um, something that I was thinking about in this kind of um, harken back to another movie that we eventually will do a podcast on um, that also takes place in World War One, but um, that was Wonder Woman. 
And um, so kind of the what I've been thinking about through these two movies has been the question of warfare and war and mm-hmm. is going to war ever justified is, you know, is that level of really the atrocity. The real moral question, Luke, is because Wonder Woman is essentially a weapon of mass destruction, would weaponizing Wonder Woman <laughs> not be a war crime? Because in Wonder Woman, she demolished a whole French town. Yes, but that's with, not the that's not what I was bringing up, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, if if you've seen Wonder Woman, she is literally on a quest to defeat Ares, the god of war, which right. she thinks will cease the violence because right. Ares has been, you know. Right. infecting men throughout time to fight each other and she's trying to and so that's why ladies it, and gentlemen this is what you get if you hire someone <laughs> with essentially a sixth grade level of education to write a story about greek mythology it's true <laughs> it's true but no th- really the main reasons i found similar or at least they got me thinking about the similarities was because they were both in world war one and i was i actually went back to see some of the visual right. similarities but mm. then it, it got me thinking you know of a topic of of warfare and you know is mm-hmm. warfare really ever justified is it well you know, and in what circumstances would it be i was gonna say did you spend the entire time watching 1970 thinking about wonder woman uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'm a big fan of that movie You're okay like, this movie needs this movie this movie needs is wonder woman that's what this movie needs he would no. have never died if she would have been there okay <laughs> no i mean no. that is a good question i mean the, the my answer is yes I would agree, but <laughs> let's talk about it. Well, well, okay. So, so why in, is in war pla- justifiable, in, well, in Benjamin? Tell us, thought. philosopher. Okay. Well, why is the <laughs> tell us just war theory? Oh no, man! Philosopher, no, I'm self-conscious. Uh, so, I think you violent person. To, <laughs> it goes back to Saint Augustine, I believe, is one of the first people to enunciate this. But it's three principles. Like just war theory is. See if I can remember it. Um, the first one is that there has to be some chance of success, right? A war is immoral if, if there's a suicide no, mission. If it's a suicide mission. Oh, really? Suicide missions are immoral. That's huh. interesting. Um, that's wow. one. It's a suicide squad. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually <laughs> no a No moral of, stamp there. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> that's, you know, actually, that's it. That I didn't know that, actually. speaking, that's one of the rules. Like, okay. you can't go to war if you think that there's- See, this is why I brought it a up. Really I'm very good, thing. This is okay. good. <laughs> um, it's immoral to do that, according to Just War Theory. Second, huh. second thing is that- um, second thing is that you have to, um, have, be defending yourself, right? So it's a principle of self-defense. Right. You can't initiate a conflict. Okay. So yep. actually, uh, according to Just War Theory, like the Bush Doctrine of Preemption is really suspect, for instance. Mm. Um, that would be, um, something that would fall on the wrong side of Just War Theory. And then the third thing um, I'm trying to think what the third principle is. Those two are interesting because essentially, what does that mean if, say, some you see a wrong or an ill, you know, in the world somewhere, mm-hmm. like Syria has been? Yeah. You know, people being abused greatly, and then you have the option in the sort of America policing the world kind of a sense of stopping whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, are you justified in interfering in another right. sovereign country's in the name of human rights or in the right. name of Because right. you're not, in mercy. a sense, defending yourself. But you're defending other people. You're, you're defending, defending the weak. Well, and right. I feel like that might be the third principle. Okay. But I'm not sure. Because I think that humanitarian conflicts are actually positive in Just War Theory. So I don't you're think saying that, that conquest and... 
pillaging and plundering is not moral, Ben? A pirate's life for me? This is revolutionary. (laughs) Well, and you know, what's funny about just war theory is that kind of theoretically, it makes sense when you're talking about it in theory. It's when you start applying it to real life situations that it Mm -hmm. gets pretty dicey. I mean, you have, I mean, legendary debates like whether we should have dropped nuclear weapons on Japan or the firebombing of Dresden, you know, things that are like... By in, like, if, if anybody else had done it, we would say, oh, that was a war crime. Right. But because it has a context, we sort of overlook the more questionable aspects. Or try of to those, justify it. Yeah, yeah. Questionable aspects of those decisions. But when you're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, you know, that's actually why uh, the early church uh, frowned on soldiers uh, converting. To Christianity. Like, if you were a soldier, you had to swear that you wouldn't fight, basically. Like yeah, there was, was like, a big there was a pacifist, big pacifist element yeah. in the early church, and huh. it wasn't until, you know, times changed, I guess, that that, that rule was Well, the, the question became, how should Christians live in a hostile society that wants to kill them? Right. Mm-hmm. And how does a government ruled by Christians operate in the wider world. Right. That, and those are really two questions. Like yeah. me as an individual, as a Christian, but then like if you're a country mm-hmm. and you're, if a country were theoretically, since we're not, ruled by Christians, what is Christian? Trump's not a Christian? <laughs> well, <laughs> even if he is, Alex? bunches of other people aren't. So I'm just saying. Like, Sorry, we're not going down We're definitely way. not. <laughs> go down the Senate. I don't know. Luke is but, rolling. But, so, but if you say like, if a just society. Yeah. Right. Well, and Because that's and also was, where like questions about borders and all the other yeah, things that are yeah. that are controversial come from. Right. right. Well, and that was, that was the thing. Like if you were a Christian in the three, well, not the 300s, the 200s. You know, your government, quote unquote, was trying to kill you. Right, exactly. And all the governments were trying to kill you. And the idea that any government could be anything but like a hostile force was remote. But suddenly, you know, Constantine becomes emperor and he says, hey, everybody, let's all become Christian. Um, you know, suddenly the state becomes like or else. an avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so becomes so- an avatar of Christianity in some sense. And even though I want to say, Constantine gets dumped on a lot by people who study church history. But, hey, if you have applauded when an American tank rolls in at the end of Life is Beautiful, or if you have applauded at the end of Saving Private Ryan, you believe deep down that, quote, Christian principles can be embodied by soldiers attacking other people. So that idea Mm -hmm. is actually really, really deep in the human psyche, that there can be the good guys. Right? Well, I'm reading right here conflict, from uh, you know. our great resource, Wikipedia. In modern terms, this is their summary of uh, the the part of the right to go to war. And ver- they mm-hmm. separate right to go to war versus just conduct in war. Mm-hmm. But the right to go to war, in modern terms, they say just war is waged in terms of self-defense or in defense of another okay. with sufficient evidence. Got it. But they list they have more than three on this list, but it's like just cause, you know, mm-hmm. comparative justice. That there might be rights and wrongs on all sides of a conflict, but uh, so according to Augustine's basically comments on these was basically any form of an uprising immoral, a revolution. Oh, a, a revolution. revolution. Yeah. Oh, you know. Well, that's interesting because um, 
the American Revolution kind of forged new ground in that way. Like mm-hmm. before that, you didn't really have an idea of rebelling against the rightful monarch. In fact, well, you did forming a government. Well, in forming your own well government. I mean, you had the Maccabees right. like that. That was a similar. Well, overthrowing well, they, they were a regime, foreigners. though. That See, was oh, okay. a foreign occupying force. Okay, I see. Yeah, um, but but they did in the Declaration of Independence. A lot of the founding documents are centered around how to set up the moral framework for a justifiable revolution. Well, and I guess that was more That's, of a secession of right. of a of a actual government and less of you have invaded, we are going to kick you out type thing. Cause that right. I guess could be argued was a defense. Right. The American revolution was saying, no, we're defending ourselves against the tyranny of the King of England. Okay. Now that, that goes back though. And this is where we're getting into a different debate, which yeah. is just proper authority, right? Right. right, right. Like rightful mm-hmm. authority, which, which we is kind of different. Yeah. Than just we can, we can nip it in here. I think we, we covered some good ground there. I, I definitely but, learned, but I think things. it's, it is interesting <laughs> because, um, in a lot of war films, um, like you're saying, Luke, not all of the principles of just war are right. recognized. Right. Like the the principle of saying, you know, can we win? Most war films end with, I mean, they do win, but like if they were yeah. following that rule, they'd be like, well, guys, there's only 300 of us and a million of them. I guess we should throw in the towel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that, and that's actually really interesting. To and I don't to know that I would that. really. I don't know that like biblically that kind of stacks up. Well, you know, I think like that, Gideon. Well, but Gideon true. was told by God that he would win. Yeah, that's not the same thing as knowing. <laughs> that's the asterisk on just war theory. <laughs> unless you can't told go, by God, if, it's, if you're gonna die, don't go to war unless God tells you to. Yeah, then you can go. Right. I mean, I think that, like, you know, do you want to fight to the death and not live under tyranny? I probably that's you know maybe in the eye of the beholder a little bit, but. But I think the idea is that a commander couldn't order a suicide charge okay. of his yeah. men under knowing compulsion. that he would, under compulsion knowing yeah. he was going to lose. Like that that's yeah. more the situation that makes it's sense. Right, right. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. No, and well and World War 1 it's not exactly the poster child for just war. Is that a just, just war? war? I was yeah. going to say it's not really think, like it's, it's pretty you low killed on my the... second cousin. <laughs> We're at war now. Like Well, no, yeah. no, not even well, that. The Bolshevik in your country killed my second cousin. Yeah. And I wanted to fight your third cousin, so we're all at war. <laughs> well, but, and, and you know, I have to admit, and this is where actually Wonder Woman kind of taps into something that is a little mysterious. Because she, in that movie, thinks that this god, Mars or Ares, is behind the war. And actually, that is that plot is in a lot of movies, like the second yeah. Sherlock Holmes movie with Robert Downey Jr. Moriarty is yeah, exactly. behind World War One. There's this idea that something was behind World War One, and when you look at the history of World War One, strangely, everybody kind of went crazy. Like yeah. the Kaiser uh-huh. wept as he signed the Declaration of War, like he was forced to do it. Well, and the whole thing, uh, the every like you read, nobody wanted and, and to like, do it. Someone like very eloquently. Felt Every somebody eloquently told me the whole war started because of Prince a uh, Prince Ferdinand's uh, tailor. His tailor, huh. because he was so. Hey, don't vain. bring the tailors into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was so vain that he made his tailor sew him in to his clothes so they fit perfectly. So when he got shot, they could not get his clothes off. To really? treat the wound. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Oh gosh! Yeah, you could like you said, like, really? Well, like, the other part of that story that's unbelievable is the fact that the guy who shot him was part of an assassination attempt with several other guys that went wrong. I know, and they they failed. And and, they, and yeah. he and his uh-huh. driver de- redirected his car into like an alleyway, and that assassin, the guy who ended up killing him, left the scene and was like, "We failed." I I couldn't assassinate him literally he went, went to the into cafe. a he went into a cafe and he sat down to get a drink and he looked outside and there's the archduke who's his like car rolls up, up right outside and, and stops wait a second and he goes ha ha and he fires right now that's weird that's that just is crazy yeah. and know, that's, that's where i start believing in those like rasputin demonic <laughs> like <laughs> legends you know where because oh, uh-huh. you watch uh movies like uh um, Just what are the odds? Yes, of that Nicholas happening? and Alexandra movies like that that yeah. showcase the really perverse Satanism of mm-hmm. a figure like Rasputin. There was some serious evil mm-hmm. going on in, yeah. you know, Russia, in Germany, and there was some powerful spiritual forces at mm. work at, at the dawn of the World War One. Almost yeah. like a god of war was, yeah, pulling the strings. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, yeah. Well, there is a there is a a, a long standing kind of idea of like a spirit taking action and and like because all these people you mm-hmm. know you even think about like like in our time the last election and how there was just this all over the world these nationalist kind of movements going on yeah. of people and nobody can I mean there are explanations for kind of the reasons people have mm-hmm. for it but nobody can really explain why it all happens at once and how it just pops up Right. Unless you think it's Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bannon or Rasputin. That's, that's what they, they would like to do. Well, and, well, and actually there's a philosopher, René Girard. He's a French uh, Catholic philosopher. He, his whole idea was the scapegoat mm-hmm. and, yeah. and kind of playing into frenzied episodes of human history like the Salem Witch Trials or other things similar to that where people just decide that there is an enemy in our midst and we've got to get rid of them. And they kind of go crazy until yeah. they quote, get rid of the scapegoat. And then mm-hmm. everything, everybody can go back to normal, even though nothing actually was solved. It's like just a collective like, guilt. It's a collective guilt and a collective catharsis. And there's actually a whole psychological school of thought that says that a lot of war is just that, that it's, mm. you know, it's Hitler telling the German people, Hey, it's the Jews. We got to get rid of them. We got to get rid of the, foreigners and all know, our problems are because all of, of our this problems group. are because of this group you find the other right you find the it's other and you try to eliminate kind them. of an idea yeah yeah well it's a very powerful thing yeah the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah. you know all that stuff yeah no that was a great great little <laughs> are you calling my point little no no i completely forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> No, I think it is. I think I think that is. I um, was gonna pivot to some. Of, well, I don't know. I, I'm tired. So Alex had some so points. I have I have a, another take on this, and I wanted to look at 1917 specifically because it's you know it's not a movie that deals with moral conundrums really, mm-hmm. not very much. Yeah. Right. Um. But I think the unique thing that this film does, and and um other films like Hacksaw Ridge kind of do this, um that they actually are more a display of the triumph of virtue mm-hmm. than they are right. the, you know, overcoming or succumbing to a moral question. Right. And you don't really very often get films that 
actually show it a positive example of somebody taking hold of virtue mm-hmm. to do good. Well, and in this way, this kind of this movie is a response or an answer to something we talked about in our last podcast um, with Little Women was the absence of masculine virtue. A lot of the virtues in this movie are very masculine. They are, yeah. Right, you know, yeah. the the main hero suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps a beautiful French girl and a baby. <laughs> um, so he's kind yeah. of a father figure. Um, he, uh, he, well, I, I, he well, helps I, his friends. Like yeah. there's a friendship angle Well, too. the friendship, the the comradeship you know that they have in the beginning is is one i actually also think it's interesting those two characters the main main two characters um before, you know because when they start off they call blake up because and I, this was i think a, a manipulation I, I don't know if this is based on a true event but i think it is it said it it I said so, from yeah. his grand the director's granddad stories, right, great right, dad gave had told him these stories so i think it's based on real events but they call Blake up because his brother is in the attack that's the suicide attack that they think is going to be an ambush mm-hmm. so it's like if you don't get to your brother in time he's going to die right. yeah. and this is their their kind of tactic for getting somebody who's super motivated to go do this suicide mission to take the message right yeah. you know because they think yeah. the odds of living through this you know front lines through france are just next to zero and so he in a real rash way you know just says like we got to go and 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 they play it off like he is being or he plays it off like he's being courageous Mm -hmm. to just run out in broad daylight to go cross the lines and stuff and and he does when you know the trip wire blows up you know he does save the main character and so he Mm -hmm. he does exhibit bravery but it's an interesting juxtaposition because uh he has bravery, but also paired with a great deal of imprudence. Yeah. And, well, that's what gets him. Well, and that's how he mm-hmm. dies. It's yeah. just this, like, he, there's a German aircraft, uh, that or a fighter plane that crashes in this place they stopped, and it's burning. They pull the pilot from the, from the flames, and, you know, and he's a German fighter, but mm-hmm. he's like, go help him. We got to try to save him, you know, and, and all this. I don't know what they plan on doing with him, but anyway, and then the guy gets out and he keeps fighting and he stabs him and he, and he dies, you know, yeah. this kind of uh, surprising fast scene, but that lack of, you know, prudent, the virtue of prudence means to look at things from all sides, mm-hmm. right? You know, and to be, to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that the main character, what's his name? Schofield. Schofield. Yeah, Schofield. Mm-hmm. So Schofield's character uh, is, prudent at the same time that he is courageous and brave but that means that he's also cautious right and thoughtful mm-hmm. and all these anyway so it's an interesting and some things he view. goes up into the building for whatever reason and... right yeah 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 that didn't make sense to me <laughs> i know like, I, yeah it's like keep running <laughs> <laughs> i know i know yeah they needed well, a way to get to night exactly. yeah yeah that's true that, <laughs> they that needed was, to cut. i think that was what that was they but, needed um, him to black but, out so they yeah, could well and angles. he also shows temperance because he when he gets with the woman and generosity, and the baby, yeah, mm-hmm. he's in front of the fire. He could stay there. He could forget about the men and drink the milk for himself. And he doesn't. He gives yeah. the milk to her, and you know, moves. So he has temperance. And then, um, I guess that only leaves the fourth virtue. You know, so there's fortitude, prudence, temperance, and justice. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. Did he? He killed the German he after he stabbed his friend. <laughs> Justice. He, he exacted justice. justice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think, know if that's justice. Justice. Yeah. Well, justice is balance, right? Really, and, yeah. to people and weighing, weighing so he killed things, him, so. weighing things appropriately, and in a sense, he kind of did that 
throughout the movie. You know, because yeah, he's yeah. always weighing his situation, and he showed balance when he walked on the top of the steel bridge, <laughs> <laughs> even well, as actually, they were shooting actually, at him. Speaking of justice, I think he did show justice at the end because mm. remember, there's the conversation toward the beginning of the movie. Uh, where it's revealed that he, you know, got rid of his medal. Mm. Oh, right. Right, right. right. Which is kind of the movie makes a point Mm -hmm. that that wasn't, it's like understandable, but it's also not okay. Like He traded it for a bottle of wine. He traded it for a bottle of wine. In other words, saying that my heroism in this world is kind of an Esau thing, like selling your birthright for a bowl of soup. And then at the heartwarming part when he said, it's just a bit of tin. And his friend said, it's not just a bit of tin. It has a little ribbon with it too. <laughs> and yeah. But then at the end, he looks at the pictures of his family, mm-hmm. which yeah. to me was sort of a way of him, I don't know, kind of reconnecting with that moment right. and saying yeah. maybe it was worth it. I, well, I, I, and I don't you know, know they also set wrong, up the parts what I mm-hmm. where he hated going home. Right. He couldn't stand going home. Because he knew he had to leave. He again. knew he had to leave. And he right. knew that every time he said goodbye, that could be the last. Yeah. And so he hated going home. Which yeah. was a, a way of talking about him being f- afraid of attachment. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly what he wound up having to be, was right. attached. Yeah. To open up, to to be, to care about his friend that died, to care about the baby and the woman. Yeah. To care about, to care about the, the brother. Because he swore the, that he would save the brother. Right. And mm-hmm. that actually is the big question is... Yeah, did he succeed? Did he succeed with yeah. the brother? You yeah. Know, which... Um, that's true and anyway it's it's interesting it's it's rare to um, to see that I think, yeah see all four virtues yeah. the, print, the cardinal virtues what are the depicted. other three the other three uh, courage which is fortitude well, no, but aren't there four cardinal virtues and then there are the supernatural is it cardinal and supernatural? oh well it's the, there's the three supernatural virtues which is faith hope and love hmm. mm. those are the those are supernatural because only God can give them right did he, he exhibit he those I think he did Faith, hope, and love. The love to the family, faith, or maybe at least hope that he would. I don't know. I don't. Achieve, I, don't I don't know. Really see Am I that reading in too much movie. into I've it? Got to no, admit. no. This, this guy was a virtuous pagan. To, to <laughs> yeah, it, from it has a natural church, virtues. Uh, yeah, yeah. For sure. kind of, kind of. It feel. was. Yeah, all the natural virtues were very well represented. Oh, yeah. There were a couple things in the film that I thought. Oh, it was at the very end when he like sees the tree. Yeah, I saw like. Are they trying to make this like the Thin Red Line? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, no, you talk about Thin Red Line. I thought there was a moment that was the mo- one of the most Dantean, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Dante, oh, the Divine Comedy uh-huh. moments of almost any movie I've ever seen because when he mm-hmm. falls off the bridge and he's in the river of death with all the bodies and he crawls yeah. over them and suddenly he's come out of this hellish city that's right. on fire uh-huh. and he's in this beautiful forest. From the forest. inferno. Yeah. Yes, from the inferno, hell, all the way to... yeah. This beautiful earthly paradise, just like Dante's Mount Where they're Purgatory, singing for, yeah. they're singing and they're all church singing uh, "Poor Wayfaring Stranger" with a soulful, you know. That was, I, I that actually was appreciated how they yeah. didn't make the guy who was singing have a really nice auto-tuned voice. You know how they yeah, do that sometimes, yeah. where it's he's like, like a nice, "Yeah, yeah, he nice had a nice historic voice. Yeah, very that was gritty. a cool. That was yeah. a real cool move. It moment. was. That it, was a yeah. It was nice. And actually, that really talking about the virtuous pagan thing, the river, rivers, uh, the waters of Leith. Mm. Or wait, is it Waters of Leith? No. It's uh The Waters of Leith are the last That's the Waters of that forget- Dante Forgetfulness. Passes, yeah, and it makes yeah, you forget all your no, sins. No, not those. What's the river of death? Sticks? Yeah. I think that's the river you cross to get to Hades. Into hell. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 River Styx. What is the river? Cheron. Is that how you pronounce his name? The river oh, the, boatman the of boatman. death. 
Geron. Ger- I can't remember. Geron. <laughs> I can't. I don't He's been know. in a lot of movies and stories. Yeah. Geron? The, the, the boatman that oh, takes you across the, the river. Death. Of, yeah. 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 That goes all the way back to ancient Egypt, I think. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh. They had the idea you 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 rode the Nile, right? Like into the ancient... Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, hmm. yeah. But uh, no, I think, I think it is a remarkable depiction of all four virtues. Mm-hmm. And the guy does a great job. Yeah. I mean, you have to think how hard it would be to carry, to carry a film. movie yeah. like this. And there's a lot yeah. of just silent acting where there he's is. like grief stricken mm-hmm. and he's processing things. And mm-hmm. I never did... Get bored. I, I will. Him. I will give this movie uh-huh. the element of realism in that it felt like the thing. Maybe not always what we were seeing, but it felt like the things. Everything that they did was what would really happen. Like mm-hmm. I, I was sharing with Ben earlier. Even when his friend dies, you know, in in any other epic movie, he's like, "I won't go until I bury his body and give him a proper yeah, funeral." Yeah, yeah, he yeah. like <laughs> walked up and left his body because he had to keep going. Yeah, like it, yeah. you know, it You're was. In war, yeah. it, it felt very, um, mm-hmm. yeah, real and what true. was true to what would actually be happening. Well, you know? and one thing that I did appreciate about this movie, I am not a fan of what I would call the Black Hawk Down, yeah, thing, which is the I'm under fire. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just a constant, and a lot of war films sort of overdo that yeah you know when you actually read accounts of battles there are moments that are like that right but there are a lot of pauses because you can't actually fight that hard for more than a minute or two right and then you have to take a breath and the enemy has to take a breath right and so actually battle is a lot more like waves of conflict with pauses in between but you wouldn't know that watching a lot of modern war movies where it's like people are taking uh, I don't know steroid shots to keep (laughs) keep firing the gun it's a war movie done a la Bourne Ultimatum (laughs) (laughs) yeah true yeah Yeah, shaky cam Mm -hmm. Um, well uh, guys what were the uh, morals of the story for you two I would say that the moral I take from this movie dovetails with what I was just saying about um, conflict in war movies because what this guy shows um, is a really reasonable hero, right? He's not, it's not just that he's a fighter. It's not just that he's physically courageous. It's that he kind of thinks through a series of problems. Right. And I like seeing reasonable, reasonable heroes Hmm. on, on screen. I don't Mm -hmm. think that reason and being rational and being thoughtful and prudent what you're talking about, Alex, prudence. Mm-hmm. You just don't see that in a lot of heroes. Our, our heroes are mostly just impulsive. <laughs> Go. You know, well, they just sort of do this. the exactly. right thing <laughs> just because. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like a Captain Kirk in Star Trek. It's all Trek. by instinct. Yeah, it's all instinct. It, it brings like, me back to I'm uh, grab the, pistol. The, the, the girl from uh, Baby Driver. Oh, <laughs> when she gets yeah. out from behind the car and she's like, yeah! <laughs> and she just oh immediately gosh. dies. Yeah, like, you're yeah. gonna die. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, die. Yeah. <laughs> the cinematic versus the uh, yeah, the, right. exactly. The yeah. reason so, imprudence on yes. display. Yes, so prudence yeah. on screen. Yeah, I think for me, um, perseverance mm. would be just the power of perseverance to go. Uh, you know, at unbeatable odds, some, something that seems impossible. That if you'll persevere. Past the point, I kept thinking that at the end because they they very they're part of this was clever filmmaking because you have to have light around to right. show anything, and so they kind of had him get knocked out through most of the night. 
Then he was in a flaming city, and when he got out of the city, it was dawn. Exactly. So their light, the light was back. But, he was conveniently unconscious for but, most of the night. Yeah, but you know, for that that dawn moment, I, I was watching, and he's in the river, and it's getting light out, and you're thinking, oh, that attack was supposed to be at dawn. And I was thinking, he's not going to make it. They're going to be too late, you know? And and he was. He right. was. Right. They, you know, he missed that first wave, you know? like Yeah. So even, but even if you don't achieve everything you hope to achieve, right. mm-hmm. that if you persevere through the end, or as my mom always said, think past the double bar, mm-hmm. you know, for music, it's the end of the songs, the double bar, you have to think past the end mm-hmm. and persevere one more length yeah. past that moment that you can still yeah, to succeed. Succeed in a way that you, yeah. you wouldn't otherwise. And the, and the movie actually is a great example of that. Yeah. Perseverance. Yeah. Rather than the futility of Gallipoli, the other movie where someone runs to get a message across. <laughs> same so Gallipoli, war. I've got to say. Same war. Gallipoli, well, it could be the best war movie ever made. Like Probably. you could argue. We should do a Gallipoli episode yeah, on it, Golden Oldies. Um, yeah. yeah. No ending like that mm. one. Mm-hmm. Luke? Well, I think now I have to. I should have been thinking about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> You've had two answers. To think of your <laughs> Y'all took mine. Um, yeah, I think. I think this is a. I think rarely do we have stories these days that kind of encapsulate all of those virtues mm. that that and and do them in a in a true way. Um, so I think it's a it's a refreshing take and and mm-hmm. to be able to sit down and actually see these these virtues portrayed in a true mm-hmm. sense. Um, usually a lot of times I think it's one or the other, or maybe not any of them at all. Well, yeah, or even like it's just played for laughs. Like exactly. you think of the Marvel universe. Right. You know, like, you're oh, watching all yeah. these heroes who basically have no virtues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Vision. Right. right. Like something, you know. <laughs> I <laughs> or, am. Yeah, but he's, you know, or... Or like Captain America, where right. it's all played for laughs. Right, exactly. Right. You know, it's, he's, they're making he's fun. He's a laughing stock. It's yeah. a making fun of the virtue. Yeah. Or Thor, right. who's like honor and dignity yeah. becomes this, you know, yeah. bozo. Yeah, beer it, drinking. it's not it's, taken as 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 something to aspire to be. Yeah, and mm-hmm. which it should be to and be a so, strong, courageous man. Right, which so I, I found that very very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be able to you see know that another play thing that was refreshing and, about this is there was really no content in it that yeah. was I don't like think. I think there might have been one or two language moments right but really it was yeah really squeaky clean right you know it, uh, assuming the war violence you know right. but even war, that even was, the violence was even not that bad was minimal compared to like some, there was not yeah. a lot of war violence in this. I did um, did get shivers when he stuck his hand in the dead body oh at the yeah, I was like that, oh, that, was that was just gross. like oh, gross <laughs> um, yeah yeah. yeah. No, but there but were there over, was yeah, there was opportunity for them to take the story other places. And I'm I'm thankful that they, they didn't. didn't. Yeah. 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 Uh, overall But you know, that really actually good. strikes me as when you think about them and their granddad, that actually strikes me as a kind of like a story your granddad would tell you. It's like yeah. I was in the city once That's and I true. went and hide in this place and there was a woman and a baby in there and I gave him my can of can of food and you know that yeah. that actually it's like that that could have really happened. Yeah, it's yeah, true. It so I think happen. some aspects of the story were were told from, mm-hmm. you know, the perspective of his grandfather. So yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. they took creative liberty, but I I think a lot of it was true to actual yeah. events. So mm. yeah. A great movie, would definitely recommend. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, and if it wins Best Picture, I'll be very happy for the people who made it. it yeah, was, it was. It's 
one of those new historical idea. period. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it is a new idea. A new yeah. idea, which you I, do not see very often. I mean, true. how many sequels do we have to watch? Right. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. No, because it, people it, are afraid true. of right. anything that's new or being creative. Yeah, and, for sure. Did you, so uh, what did you guys, did you did you like it better than Little Women? Oh, they're just such different movies. They are. It's hard to that's, compare that. That's why Little it, Women, I'm they're, sure, they're up against each I will other. be watching again mm-hmm. yeah. because I live in a household of women. Right. And I'm pretty sure I'll watch that movie again. Yeah. Um, 1917. Um, well, I have to say, we saw it in a big Dolby yeah. surround sound yeah. theater. That is the way to see this movie. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so it glad really, we did that. I don't. Yeah. It would have not had the same effect on a TV yeah. screen in my living yeah, room. That's yeah, for sure. That's so true. very true. Yeah. All right. Well, our sponsor is Audible. Do y'all remember our link? Our link is audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story. It is. It's also linked in our show description for anyone who doesn't want to remember that. You can go down to the description and click right on it and Mm -hmm. we'll take you right there. Our recommendation for this episode is actually a person. It's a reader um, named Peter Joyce. Peter Joyce, you can look him up on Audible. Peter Joyce is a really, really fun reader who reads a whole lot of turn of the century adventure stories and dramas so it would have been exactly the sort of books that george schofield in 1917 would have been listening to yeah and so if you just look up the name peter joyce and you can find all sorts of wonderful uh literature that you've never heard of from a time when literature was pretty much squeaky clean really well written and pretty adventurous and they're probably all sitting there in the public domain so yes, you can get exactly. inspiration for making a movie so a great reader right. <laughs> uh, a great bunch of books i'm starting to work my way through a lot of his content yeah. um so anyway if you so like you can get a 1917 literature yeah. uh check out peter joyce yeah and you can get a free audiobook by following that link uh and when you do your free trial and get a free audiobook it helps support our podcast. And right. so if you appreciate these episodes, please send us an email to contact at moralofthestorypodcast.com. Uh, or if you would like to just donate to help keep this show going, uh, shoot us an email or visit the website, moralofthestorypodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends, family, and enemies. Particularly before you go to war. Exactly. Because <laughs> you <laughs> may prevent a war if you share it with them. That's right. <laughs> um, and until next time, Peace out. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping that in there. (laughs) The Moral of the Story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.